You're listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Ells, COO, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. We are here to provide you with a vital lifeline to executive advice that you've never heard before. We have the tools, the resources, and the tactics to help you reach the next level. Whether you're just starting out or have been in business for decades, Listen in for exclusive tips and content to suit your needs. Welcome to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline. Today we have Stephanie Navinskis, who is an international best-selling author, and she has worked with really big-name clients like Starbucks, the NFL, Cox Communications. She has written for Forbes and Entrepreneur, so it's very safe to say that she is an expert in the field of marketing and well-sought-out expert, and we're really glad she's taking the time today to share with us and our audience. So, Stephanie, welcome. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, we're really thrilled to have you, especially a guest of your caliber and expertise. And I think that our listeners, our audience is really going to benefit from hearing your insights. Let's get started. I was thinking that we could do it a little bit differently today. So instead of talking about the marketing to-dos, can we talk about the don'ts? For example, what is the number one mistake you see small business owners making when it comes to marketing? Oh my goodness. I love this question. The biggest mistake. So I've been marketing for 27 years. You guys, this is a long time, right? Almost three decades. Yeah. And the number one mistake that I see small business owners make over and over and over again is they jump right into tactical implementation instead of first building a really sound strategy. What I mean by that is Tactical implementation is all the shiny, sexy stuff. It's the fun website. It's the social media activity. It's all of the stuff that is public facing. And I understand why people are drawn to do that because you feel like, oh, you're, you know, you're starting a business. You want to get the word out. You want to put your shingle out and see who comes. The problem is a lot of people will jump into that without the strategy. And what ends up happening is you know, six, 12, 18 months down the line, they realize they've been putting out the wrong message to the wrong audience, which is attracting the wrong customers, and they're just not happy. So then they have to spend all that time and all that money redoing it. Whereas that wouldn't have happened if they did their strategy up front. Definitely. Yeah. So it's kind of like they're putting the cart before the horse, so to speak. 100%. That's really helpful advice. I know that I've had lots of clients over my years in business that get really focused in the beginning on their website, the best business card, the letterhead, the graphics, and really not doing the nitty gritty strategy work that you're talking about. So that's very helpful advice. In your work, I know that you have talked about doubling your income, but you say that you can double your income by narrowing your market. And to me, that sounds counterintuitive. So I would love for you to elaborate on how you can double your income by narrowing your market. Yeah, that you know, that's a common misconception that people have. They were people worry that niching is actually going to limit their opportunities. Like, oh gosh, well, if I niche in this market, you know, but I but my product or service could help everybody. Uh, actually, it really and truly does make doubling, tripling, or quadrupling your income easier than ever because. 
you become a specialist instead of a generalist. And people always pay more for specialists than they do for generalists. Think about it in terms of like a doctor. If you have something that resembles an ear infection, you're going to go and see your primary care physician. If you have lost your ability to hear, you're going to go see an audiologist. You're going to pay a lot more for an appointment with an audiologist, and you're probably going to wait three months to actually get an appointment because they're so in demand. Same thing happens with any kind of specialist versus generalist. Another thing that uh, niching really does is it helps you stand out in a very crowded market. There's a lot of noise out there and there's a lot of competition to get seen. When you're a specialist, you identify with a specific group. Like I, I think of my husband, he owns a company different than mine. He owns an architecture firm, but he specializes in one particular type of architecture. So he's not just saying, oh, sure, I could build your house. I could build your mall. I could build your skyscraper. He's not doing that. He's honed in on one very, very specific niche. And he has a captive audience listening to everything he says on LinkedIn. And he is invited to the most targeted events to get on stage and speak directly to the decision makers who sign the checks. So it's, it's really, really brilliant. It also, it helps you stop chasing the wrong people and you become laser focused on serving one market. You're not, you're not advertising everywhere. You're not going to the networking events and saying, oh, it could work for you. It could work for you. It could work for you. I am you. Oh, and by the way, also your brother, Billy and your cousin, Susan, right? You right. are advertising to your ideal customers and your ideal customers are going to appreciate the specialization with their pocketbook. They're going to prove to you that they appreciate it with their pocketbook. That's really great advice. And when you're working with some of your clients, do they typically struggle with this concept or is it something that, that folks sort of grasp right away? You know, no, I think it's something that people will struggle with for years yeah. yeah. It, and the thing is that niching can look different. This is a common uh, misconception people have is that niching just means that, you know, I have to only segment into one particular type of customer. That is one way of niching. And that is something that I just talked about. But there's other ways to niche. You could niche in the products or the services that you offer. For example, let's say you run a firm that helps people with their finances, okay? Mm -hmm. On a firm like that, you could say, well, I do financial planning, or you could say I do wealth planning for uh, people that are retirees. Or you could say, oh, actually I have a program where I teach people how to save money from college until the day they retire. So there's different ways to niche. It's not just the end customer. It can be the product you sell. It can be the service you sell. And it can also come in the form of specific specializations that you have within a particular segment. You might be the only company that is doing this in Spanish and in English, something like that. Yes, that's very helpful. And so I'd love to just circle back. I was talking in the beginning about the high profile clients that you have, and you've done so much impressive work over your years in business. So I want to know if you could share 
some of the tools with us that you also use with your high performing clients? Yeah. So, well, the, the really big household names that you guys name dropped at the, <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast, yeah. uh, everything is locked and sealed under NDAs so that I'm not able to share. However, what I will tell you with some smaller companies, when, when I say small, you know, the, the SBA defines a small business as any company with fewer than 500 employees, which for most companies is not really small, but that's the technical definition, right? You could very easily be doing 50 million a year and be considered a small business. One of the tools that we actually are building right now is an all-in-one marketing tech stack, okay? Because a lot of companies, this is something that has just become more and more clear over the years recently. A lot of companies will invest in 15 different services just to run their marketing. They'll have one monthly fee that they pay for their CRM. They'll have another fee they pay for their funnel builder. They'll have another fee they pay to send out text messages. They'll have another fee they pay for a membership software, et cetera, et cetera. And before you know it, they're spending $1,500, $2,000 a month on 15 different platforms that do not play nicely in the sandbox together. So we are actually getting ready to launch an all-in-one tech stack that's going to allow you to do all of it under one umbrella and everything plays together. Oh, that I love that idea. What's your timeline for, for launching that? Yeah, we're hoping to have it ready by the first of the year. Sounds yeah. like a good year. <laughs> a really good tool for a lot of those businesses of that size. I think that they might feel in, in many cases, I can't afford to do this marketing or it's going to be too expensive for me. So it's great to hear that you have a service that's going to be a fraction of the cost. Yeah, it, without compromising the capabilities in any way at all. It's really, it's very sophisticated. I'm a firm believer that it has to absolutely meet my expectations before I release it to the market. So it's, it's going through the gauntlet with me <laughs> and I'm using it <laughs> in my own company right now and hope, you know, doing everything we can to work out all the bugs before we introduce it to the marketplace. That's terrific. That's terrific. Uh, Cassandra, I know that you had some questions for Stephanie as well. Yes. I'm like chomping at the bit over here. Oh my goodness. Stephanie, first off, I just talking about that marketing tool, that sounds absolutely amazing because I do a lot of marketing for us and I can't tell you how many times I'm like, oh, I, I love Hootsuite or whatever I'm using for that day. But then I'm like, oh, well, I ran out of spots for this and I ran out of spots for that. So I have to go into another platform to schedule or, oh, I can't use this because it doesn't connect with that. Or like, I cannot tell you the headaches that I have sat at my computer being like, okay, this is a nightmare. Just hearing that alone is like a godsend. I have made note to like circle back with you <laughs> in 2023 to see how that's going. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. And you know what? It, the thing is, it's so common. And I, I recognize this just, you know, it's, it, it's become especially clear since all the COVID stuff happened. Right. And I'm not quite sure why that shines so much light on this, but in, in the last two, two and a half years, it, it's just, I hear people when we take them on as our like fractional CMO clients, I'm like, all right, let's talk about all the, the 
software you're using right now to run your business and they say oh oh my gosh and then they list it out and it's like 15 things or 18 things and I'm like so how often are you using that oh I don't know I just pay for it every month but I don't even know how it works you know <laughs> so I'm like well that's silly why are you throwing money out the window <laughs> so yeah we're gonna fix that Yes. And it, it's like, and it's funny you say that too, because I literally had this conversation with my husband, but it was in regards to cable where I was like, we can get rid of cable because we have streaming. And then it's like, well, if you sit down and think, okay, well, I'm paying for this streaming site and this streaming site. And I was like, I should have just got, like stayed with cable. So hundred percent. No, I like, that's wonderful. So one of my questions, actually, I want to loop back to Danielle's very first question when she asked about the number one mistakes and you brought up strategy. Mm -hmm. So I want to touch a little bit upon that, if it's okay with you. How would you go about starting a strategy? So because I know especially any new entrepreneurs listening or even CEOs that have, you know, taken themselves out of marketing and marketing is changing constantly. And the way technology changes these days is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. How would you go about trying to start a new marketing strategy? Yeah. Here's something that you might find interesting. It doesn't really matter if you're new or if you've been in business for 30 years. I can't tell you how many clients I have who have had their company already. And they're, you know, they're running a $10 million company, but they still have never dialed in their strategy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I'm like, girl, you could be at a hundred million by now. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> what, why stop at 10? Um, your question was what, what is involved in the strategy? Did I hear that right? Well, how would you get started? Especially like you said, if they're at 10, and they haven't really dialed in on that strategy. So like, how would they go about it? Like, how would they get started? Yeah. So the first thing is, is to get really crystal clear on who you're serving in this season of your business. So for example, if you're a new business, great. Who do you want to start with? What market? Okay. If you are an existing business running a well-seasoned brand, right? That, you know, things change and evolve over time. And so you might have started serving this client, but over the years, it's morphed into that client. So the first step is knowing exactly who you're trying to serve in this season of your business. And when I say knowing them, I mean, you want to know them almost better than they know themselves. There's a lot of you know, I kind of call them cheap customer avatar exercises that you can find for free if you Google it. The problem is they just barely scratch the surface. You need to know a lot more than, you know, their age, their gender, and uh, what they do for a living and, and those basic, basic things. What you need to know is what motivates them to buy. You need to know what keeps them up at night, worrying and stressing and complaining to their spouse. You need to know, you know, what do they fear? What are they afraid of if they make an investment in your product or services? Maybe they think, well, the promise is X, but I'm worried that Y might happen. When you know these things, you can address them head on instead of allowing them to be this negative chatter in your ideal client's mind where they're having a conversation without you that you can't overcome because you don't even know what's happening. Mm -hmm. so 
That is step one, this absolute clarity. I mean, when we do a customer avatar exercise with our clients, it's like, you know, it's seven to 10 pages on that alone because we really, really want to know them. Uh, the next strategic exercise you need to do is a competitive analysis. And this is kind of a controversial topic because <laughs> some people will say, I don't have competitors. Other people will say, well, I don't want to think about my competitors. I just want to do what I do. Both of which are big mistakes as far as I'm concerned. And again, this comes 27 years down the line with experience, right? Right. If anybody anywhere might choose another product or service instead of yours, you have competition. End of story. Mm -hmm. You might not like them. You might think they're terrible. It doesn't really matter but you do have competition. If you don't pay attention to what your competition is doing, they can very quickly steal your market share. And it can happen literally overnight. I have seen it happen where someone has a huge market share and literally overnight their business tanks. So if you're not aware of what's happening how can you possibly proactively be, you know, preparing yourself a, to address it, and B, to show the marketplace that you're great in a different area. Maybe you're not great at everything. That's okay. Nobody is. But you have something that makes you really special. And so you've got to know what your competitors are doing and how you stand apart from your competitors. And again, this is, this is a big, hairy exercise. When it's done right, you know, you're going to spend... I would say on average, if you've never done an exercise like this before, plan on investing at least 10 hours of your time doing this and then banging your head against the wall a few billion times in the process. However, as mind-numbing as that sounds, it is one of the most powerful things you will ever do in growing your company. Another strategic exercise that's super important is identifying your customer's journey. You need to know exactly what you're going to do to make them aware that your company exists, exactly what you're going to do to make sure they have a way to engage with your company. And there's a two-way conversation happening. You need to know exactly what you're going to do to get them to sign up for your list, because it's awesome that you have, you know, a million Instagram followers. Well, what if Instagram disappears tomorrow? and they're not on your list. Uh-oh, you just lost your business. So you've got to have a plan for how you're going to get them on your list. Then you've got to have a plan on what you're going to do to make that first level conversion happen. And the first level conversion can look a little different for different companies, depending on what level you're at. Some companies, a first level conversion will not be a monetary transaction at all. It will be getting the customer's time. For example, you sell software. You don't really want to sell someone a $7 book. You want to get them on a demo where you can demonstrate the software to them for an hour with a sales rep. And then they want to buy some software that costs six figures. You have to identify if it's time or money and what that's going to be. And then you have to know what are you going to do to keep people excited once you have that first level conversion. So let's say, you know, they get all jazzed up, they're, you know, they're, they're feeling the fire, but they're not ready to buy for whatever reason. Well, how are you going to stay in front of them? How are you going to keep them excited between that time and the time that they do open their wallet? 
And then once they do open their wallet, what are you going to do to maximize every sales opportunity? You can sell an entry-level offer, you can sell a midpoint, but what's your high point? And at what point do people go, you know, I call it an ascension ladder. At what point are they climbing the next rung of the ladder? And at what point are they going back down the ladder? And how are you going to handle that? And then there's two more. The next phase is what are you doing to generate social proof? Because like it or lump it, we live in a social proof world (laughs) and people will talk about you. You can either control the way they talk about you, or you can just let them do what they're going to do. And what is it? Let the dice fall where they may, right? I don't think that's the right phrase. Let the something fall where it may, (laughs) whatever that is. Um, But what you need to do is you need to have a plan of how you're going to manage your reputation and how you're going to present yourself in the best light. And finally, what are you going to do to get other people marketing your brand for you? It doesn't only have to be you and the people within your company that market it. There are lots of referral opportunities. There are a lot of affiliate opportunities. There's joint venture opportunities. There are so many other ways to get other people, both paid and unpaid, marketing your brand. So those are some of the strategic exercises that I'm a firm believer everybody should do. And I think when you don't do those things, you're just leaving money on the table. I mean, those were just some of the ways. Stephanie, that was amazing. Like, (laughs) oh my goodness. I hope everybody was taking down notes like I was. Like I was running out of sticky notes, (laughs) writing everything down. That was Absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that insight. Because uh, I know, you know, like you said, like it or not, social media, you know, having a presence online, you know, when I was growing up, I, you know, what I did as a, you know, a stupid teen is not on the internet, but you know, what everyone does now, one click away. So you yep. have, to have a presence somewhere. But <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and what are the reviews saying about you? Exactly. If people go to Google reviews, what are other people seeing? What are they seeing on Yelp? What are they seeing on, you know, whatever, you know, whatever platform people leave reviews for you on, maybe it's your recommendations on LinkedIn. You either guide that and you steer it in the direction you want it to go, or you let it happen. Oh, I know my phrase. It was let the chips fall where they may, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And is, so, is yeah. Yelp full, like is Yelp still a thing? Oh yes, Yelp is still a thing. Um, much to many people's disappointments. <laughs> um, because you know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of thoughts about Yelp. Um, but yes, it is very much still a thing. I mean, I just I haven't heard much about Yelp. I know LinkedIn is now growing much bigger due to the professionalism and the networking and and like you stated leaving reviews and um whatnot same with glass door um they seem to be also gaining um, a lot more momentum with reviews and um and whatnot with companies especially with employees and employers so that was also something new that i, I found interesting yeah on glass door you know you need to be intentional about asking your employees to leave reviews. If you're trying to grow your staff, people are gonna check you out on Glassdoor. You need to be intentional about asking your employees, hey, leave reviews, not because they're ticked off that they didn't get something they wanted, but on the day that they're happy, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you're happy. Hey, wanna leave a review? You know, and and then they do. 
you also, you know, encouraging, incentivizing people, not, you know, you want the reviews to be truthful, right? I, I am a huge believer in that. You don't want to be like, hey, I'll give you a raise if you leave us a review. That's super unscrupulous, right? Right. However, I think that there is a way to gently nudge people in the direction that you want them to go without manipulating anything. You know, they're in a good mood that day. You know, they're feeling kind of happy. You know, things are going pretty well at work. And hey, would you leave us a review? You know, anybody who leaves a review today gets free movie tickets. It costs you 30 bucks and it pays off for years to come. It's a great idea. We'll have to take that, have to note that one down too. To move along with strategy, can we go into websites? Just about every business has one. How can they be used as a marketing tool as a conversation machine per se? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, there are several things that can be done. A lot of people make the mistake of making their website look like an online brochure, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the point of having a website. The point of having a website is to get leads into your funnel, to make sales happen in some capacities, or to make some level of conversion happening. Again, that goes back to maybe you're selling a $10 product, but maybe you're actually selling a free demo or a free trial of some kind. Any of those can be considered conversions. Now, how you get those, it's a multi-pronged process, right? But some of the most important things that you need on your website, and I'll just speak to the homepage uh, to start because there's different things you need on different pages, right? But on your homepage, you need to realize you have about 0.10 seconds to capture somebody's attention when they land on your site. You've got to have a hook at the very top that tells them very clearly what you offer, how it's going to make their life better, and what they need to do if they want to buy it or move forward. And that needs to be at the very top of the website in clear English that makes it no-brainer. A fourth grader could read it and understand, wow, okay, if I want that, I'm in the right place. If I don't want that, it's good to click away now. I call it your big, bold promise. Underneath your big, bold promise, you need to have benefits, benefits, benefits. So this is a mistake people make all the time. They talk about features and people don't buy features, people buy benefits. You wanna talk about, you know, and and assign metrics whenever possible. You know, if you purchase this, you know, let's say you, you sell a skincare line, okay? If you purchase this, you will take, 10 years off of your aging face. I mean, I wouldn't say it like that because that sounds rude, but (laughs) I mean, not going to lie. I was kind of interested either way. So, (laughs) right. Right. (laughs) Um, you know, reduce your belly fat by X percent. Um, it could be something like, you know, be able to run a marathon in 90 days, something like that. Whenever you can assign a metric to a benefit statement, that's going to be really, really powerful for you. So you want, I like to have three benefits right under your big, bold statement and make sure on your homepage that it is loaded with call to action buttons. I recommend a minimum of five call to action buttons on your homepage alone. And 
if you don't have that, you're leaving money on the table because people are making decisions at different points in the journey. Some of the people that come to your page are going to make a decision in the first 10 seconds. It's just how they're wired. They're decisive people. They like to get things done. Giddy up, let's go. There's going to be the other people that are more analytical, that are more thoughtful, that, you know, they, they kind of like the turtle in the race. They go slow or they're slow and they're steady and they're careful and they're calculated. And for those people, you want to have a lot more information, but you want call to action buttons scattered throughout the information so that, you know, whether they make a decision after reading for one minute or they make a decision after reading for three minutes or it's after eight minutes, they have a constant button in front of their face saying, if you're ready to make a decision, click here. So you need to do that. I mean, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on, but <laughs> I think those are three things to start with. No, I, I, those are wonderful. Those are, are definitely, I think those are key points. I was always told that your website is a reflection of you. So you want to make sure, or basically your calling card. Um, you want to make sure that your website is something that as soon as you open it, you know, it explains what you're doing. It's, you know, exactly what you stated with the call to actions, the hooks, the benefits, the metrics. Um, I actually didn't know about the point 10 seconds. I actually thought it was a little longer. So that's a little, that was interesting to me to hear that. Um, it, it might actually be a little bit longer. I'm just feeling a little short today. <laughs> <laughs> no worries whatsoever. Um, but I would agree with you because some people... Um, like if, say, for example, if I'm watching a TikTok video, I know, you know, Hey, this is the product I want. I know this is the website. I'm going to go directly to that website. And that's where I'm ordering it where other times I'm just scrolling through, you know, Facebook and I see, you know, like, like an ad for Amazon, like 22 things you need. They get me every time, by the way. And mm -hmm. <laughs> I just scroll through and it's like, oh, okay. You know, and then you just keep going and click the link. So exactly like what you stated. And I was like, I can see that now. And that was great. That was wonderful. And I loved your explanation and leaving money on the table. I, you know, if I hate leaving money on the table because, you know, my cat would knock it off, but you know, like, right. <laughs> you know, if you can put it somewhere else and, and put it in the bank, you know, do that in, that's wonderful. That's, that's absolutely amazing. And that was just the homepage. So, yeah. And you know, one thing I can tell you, your listeners, that if you want an example of how to write the big, bold statement, keep your eyeballs on what uh, Basecamp does. Basecamp is a project management software. I have no affiliation to them at all, mm -hmm. other than use their product, right? That's it. But I'm not here to sell Basecamp. I'm here to point to whoever is running their marketing is doing a real good job with their A-B testing mm -hmm. because they have, they are, are switching out their copy frequently on their sales page and testing different headlines, but all of their headlines, hooks, whatever you want to call them are um, very benefits oriented. Like I'm looking at it right now on my phone. Today, it says something different than it said last week when I looked at it. Today, this is the refreshingly simple and remarkably effective project management platform. If I'm looking for something effective and simple and a project management platform, I know right now, yep, I'm in the right place. If I'm not looking for that, 
I know I'm in the wrong place. And so I leave and Basecamp hasn't lost anything because I wasn't going to buy anyways. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I always point to them. I think whoever is, is writing their copy does a real good job. No, I would, I would agree with you. Cause when I first heard the word Basecamp, I would, wouldn't have thought project management tool. And like you said, when you go to the website, it tells you exactly what it is right then and there. So yeah, yes, 100%. I want to get down to you as a CEO. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to us what being not your average CEO means to you? I think it means never accepting the status quo, right? Oh, I have a rhyme for you. Sure. <laughs> the average CEO accepts the status quo, right? <laughs> An extraordinary CEO is the one who's always looking for the next big breakthrough, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think that it can be easy, even as a CEO of a company, it can be easy to get comfortable if you've been doing it for a long time. And it can be like, you know what? We're we're good. We're doing all right. And I'm pretty satisfied with where we're at. Well, that might work for a while. And of course, you want to enjoy whatever you know, reaping whatever you've sown. However, you can't stay there for long because the evil little competitors will pop up in the night and eat you alive, right? So you always have to be growing. You always have to be learning. You always have to be looking for what's the newest opportunity. What's the newest tweak that we can make that's going to make, that's going to keep us on the cutting edge. That's going to make us the most competitive, the most attractive, and, you know, really the marketplace leader. That's wonderful. I would definitely say, I think you've definitely fit that box. And that's just like talking to you today and hearing your words of wisdom, you are definitely unique and I love it. So (laughs) thank you so much for just bringing all of your insight in. Um, I wish we had more time because there's like so many questions that like are running through my head right now. So it's like, I need to go pick up your book, need to go like, just, yes, just all of the yes. That's just what last pieces of advice would you share with our listeners in the event of marketing, being a CEO, starting a business, anything along those lines? You know, I think one thing that people get really hung up on is, uh, what should I do now? When it comes to marketing, there's a million things that you could do. There's really only a handful of things that you should do, but people have a lot of trouble trying to figure out what they are. And I put a quiz together actually to help people. It takes like five minutes and it's free. It's on my site. You can take it. If you go to sizzleforce.com forward slash quiz, you can take this five minutes and it will help you identify based on where your business is at and where you're at right now, what your next best marketing move will be. That's awesome. I'm writing that down. Don't mind me. Um, (laughs) Stephanie, that was absolutely wonderful. And of course, I want you to please share with our listeners where they can find you, connect with you, get in touch with you, all of the above. And I hope all of our listeners have been jotting down all of this wonderful information and are looking for you on social media right now. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Um, You you can find me on my website. It's sizzleforce.com. I always say it's sizzle like bacon 
force, like may the force be with you. So sizzleforce.com. We put out blogs all the time, try to make them entertaining, really educational. I encourage you to check those out. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm a big believer in the personal profile versus the company page. So you're going to have to spell my scary, scary name, but you can find that in the show notes, <laughs> linkedin.com uh, forward slash in slash Stephanie Navinskis. And uh, we're putting out a lot of good stuff there. And we are on some of the other social media channels, but I don't like our stuff there as much. So I don't want to talk about them. <laughs> no, no worries we'll make sure that we don't add those <laughs> all right stephanie do you have any uh last words of wisdom that you would like to share before we wrap things up i just think that people have so much opportunity and they are leaving so much money on the table so my words of wisdom to you is stop doing that right stop sabotaging your own success and putting your own limitations on what's possible, because there is so much that is possible if you just make some tweaks. So be willing to change, be willing to learn, be willing to test and see what happens. You might end up very, very happily surprised. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I have truly enjoyed this podcast episode. Thank you again for being a part of it. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. You've been listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Elves, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. This podcast has been sponsored by Virtual Assist USA. If you would like to know more about the hosts or exploring virtual assistant services, visit virtualassistusa.com for more information free virtual guide magazines, access to networking groups, and much more.